Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Concussion Chats is a podcast hosted by the McGill students for the Concussions, Concussion Legacy Foundation with the help of Nick from Concussion Talk. We are dedicated to providing hope and strength to those suffering from concussions through sharing experiences. Today, I have a recording of Mark. Um, Mark suffered a concussion almost nine years ago playing basketball. He has been collecting ways of dealing with his symptoms ever since. He is an educator in a learning center a part-time professor, and a proud father. All right. Uh, well, thanks. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Mark. My, my pronouns are uh, he, his, uh, him. Uh, I wanted to start by saying that I'm really grateful that this exists, uh, that, that those Zoom talks this is the first time I'm joining. But, you know, uh, I'm quite happy uh, they exist and I learned about the podcast and I want to listen to them, um, all the ones that I missed. And uh, I'm really grateful for the support group. And I want to thank everyone who's like, you know, setting this up. Uh, so uh, as uh, Taya said, like I suffered a concussion about nine years ago and um, I thought about like creating some sort of group like that or seeing if there's something that existed and it's like, you know, this is impossible, would we'll never be able to meet because I can't go outside uh, because of my concussion symptoms anyway. So when I found out that this existed, I was, I was really touched by it. Um, so, uh, so basically what I was hoping to share with you today was... Um, uh, I wanted to tell you a little bit about my life before the concussion and then like some of the key events that happened through, uh, throughout my, uh, I guess, my concussion recovery process. Uh, and then to talk to you about like some of the tough things that I have had to deal with. Uh, and then talk to, uh, I want to talk about like, uh, you know, uh, themes that relate to hope, opportunities and, and tips. So we'll see what we can get to. Um, so, um, before I got my concussion, I guess what I wanted to, to start with is to, to give you an idea, general idea of like what my sort of ideal day would look like before my concussion uh, in terms of like what I would do if I was on vacation, if I had time, that kind of stuff. And uh, so before my concussion, like I guess like um, an, an ideal day would be like I would uh, wake up 
I would, uh, you know, uh, eat breakfast, go through my emails while listening to music. Uh, and then I would maybe read to some extent, I don't know, 45 uh, minutes or, you know, to an hour. Uh, then I would ride my, um, my bike to, to go to the golf course. Because anyway, I used to, live, I, I sort of grew up close to a golf course uh, and play golf. And then I would come back home and then I would try to go play basketball. Uh, and then afterwards, I would uh, try to go meet some of my friends uh, taking the bus. And uh, usually what I like to do is, uh, well, being on the bus, I'd like, I'd like to read on the bus uh, and to hopefully, you know, have a couple of drinks with my friend after. Uh, and the reason why I wanted to mention all those things is that like pretty much <laughs> uh, those were all things that like I couldn't really do for a long period of time. Uh, so meaning like, you know, just like going on the computer, going on the computer for an extended period of time, uh, while listening to like doing work like listening to music uh playing golf i couldn't do for about like three three and a half years uh playing basketball sort of the same uh and you know i'm still struggling with some of those activities uh riding a bike it's not as bad but uh uh it's complicated because you know i don't i don't want to i don't want to fall to some extent or i didn't want to fall uh now like the things has changed but like you know it's been uh, like th there's been a couple of, of of rough years uh and then uh, just you know being on a bus was just a struggle uh, and uh, obviously I used to be able to read on a bus. I couldn't just read regularly. I used to be quite uh, quite the reader and uh, just because, you know, uh, for, for a variety of reasons, like it was just too much of a struggle for me. Uh, and obviously drinks, like it was just like, you know, I was out of it if I would just drink anything. Um, so, so anyway, so like there's that sort of contrast between like what, what I, I, I uh, what sort of like, I was hoping, you know, what what I want to be able to do to some extent, and what I could do uh, now. The, the the good thing is that like there's a good chunk of those things that I can do, uh, but uh, you know, nine years nine years later, I'm I'm still struggling. Um, so as Taya said, uh, about nine years ago, I was playing basketball and I had the ball and I changed direction. And uh, uh, a guy was pushed towards me by accident and we just went like skull to skull. And uh, I know the guy suffered a concussion, uh, I did too. And um, the funny thing is that the time, cause I used to twist my ankles all the time. Uh, I was like, oh, thank God I didn't twist my ankle. Uh, it was that sort of stupid reaction because I, you know, it's like you, you watch the NFL and you're like, oh, that guy got concussed. We might see him again in two quarters or something. Uh, and it doesn't sort of work like that. Uh, and so, uh, so that the idea is that, like, uh, okay, I, I, you know, on on the day of, I didn't know I, was, I had a concussion, but you know, a couple of days later, I realized that's what was going on. But I was still with the, the mindset of like, okay, in two weeks, I'll be fine. And then two weeks later, I'm like, okay, in two weeks, I'll be fine. And two weeks later, and you know, and uh, so nine years later, I'm like, okay, if in, if in two weeks, it could be over, <laughs> that'd be the best. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, but that's not exactly how it works. Um, so, so yeah, so the, the way that I sort of realized to, to what extent, like I guess one of the first time where I realized to what extent like I, I uh, you know what I was 
facing what I was confronted with uh, was um, so maybe three or four days after I got the concussion. Uh, I live in this. I lived in this really tiny apartment, which was you know uh, I lived in Ottawa. But the apartment was just basically bigger than I am. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. Like it was just this one bedroom apartment with, uh, anyway, it, was, it wasn't it that big. And uh, so I just tried to vacuum the apartment. Usually it would take me between, I don't know, about 15 minutes to vacuum the entire apartment, get all of the corners and everything. And uh, midway through vacuuming that, you know, that vacuum process that was supposed to last 15 minutes, uh, I, I had to stop. I had to take a nap. Uh, I napped for about an hour and a half because uh, I was just way too tired. Like I, 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 I couldn't do it anymore. Um, at the time, I was uh, I was a graduate student, and uh, that's when I was like, okay, I really have a concussion in two weeks. You know, it should be all right. Uh, and so I didn't know what was you know what was going on. I didn't know what was affecting me and what I was supposed to do in order to you know. Uh, not suffered all those symptoms. And um, so I, I sort of try to keep doing some of the regular stuff that I was doing. So some of the studying, uh, although I sort of gave myself like, you know, three weeks off of doing nothing. And, um, and on one day I had to go to a presentation. I was supposed to do a presentation for about 15 minutes. Uh, the event was about like two hours. And I was sort of the last presenter and I, I was holding the mic. There was about 15 people, it, you know, it was more than that. And my, my hand kept shaking and shaking and shaking. And, and that's when I realized like, you know, how tired, like, you know, just, just a whole bunch of different activities would make me that I couldn't really necessarily name. Uh, and then, um, so that was like sort of another sort of highlight, like that sort of, you know, made me aware of what I was facing. Um, and so then, uh, what do I have here? Uh, so, so yeah, a couple of months later, a couple of months go by, and I'm still struggling with a variety of symptoms, but I'm, you know, I figured out ways to try to take care of myself more, be more comfortable with the idea of like, uh, for instance, like, you know, sleeping as much as I really needed, which is at that time was about 14 hours a day. Uh, and, uh, but I, you know, as, as, as I said about like, you know, my previous life to some extent, uh, you know, my, my, my dream day would involve a lot of sports. And I don't know about you guys, like, you know, how you got your concussion, what sort of activities you got involved with. Uh, but I know a lot of concussion survivors, like they got them doing sport. And one of the things that they like to do is do sports. And that's like one of the number one activities you can't do. Uh, and uh, when, when, when you got a concussion. So anyways, so I tried progressively to get on a stationary bike. Uh, and so this one day I tried and I was just on the bike and, you know, I was just going at about that pace, like, which is the same pace as walking basically. And after like eight or nine minutes, I, you know, I was out of it. It was just way too much. Um, so, uh, so anyway, like that was just a, another awareness moment, I guess. Um, uh, so I ended up quitting my studies because, you know, obviously I couldn't spend the time on computers, that kind of stuff. Uh, and I was just, you know, it was just, it was just too much for me and, and, and too overwhelming in, in, uh, for a variety of different reasons. Um, so that led me to like uh, maybe a year 
after my concussion, I ended up finding the time to go online and to, you know, to find some resources and be, okay, I'm, I'm going to try something. Uh, and so I found this person who was uh, in charge of this group called uh, Neurosport in Montreal. And uh, so I had a visit with him and uh, he did some tests, that kind of stuff. And at the beginning, I was sort of nervous about it because it's like, you know, I don't think that there's like any sort of like help that I can really get. And, uh, and it was really expensive. Uh, but then anyway, I sort of trusted the process and I gave it a shot because I had nothing else really to try, which is, you know, a big part of my story. Like, uh, you know, at some point I'm like, okay, I don't like where my life is. I got, you know, uh, I got no other option, so I'm going to try something. And, um, so anyway, after the first meeting, like, you know, he did a couple of tests and like, he told me about like, you know, the variety of different symptoms that I had. Uh, and so it, it sort of made me aware of symptoms that I had that I didn't know I had. I don't know if that makes any sense. Cause like, you know, we, you know, if you twist your ankle, it just affects your ankle. But when it's your brain, it affects, you know, a wide variety of different things. And, you know, there was some weird things going on in my life that I wasn't aware that were associated with the concussion. Um, so like some of those symptoms was like for me, like I was, you know, obviously like I struggle with screens, I, like I guess like many of you, uh, but like some of the symptoms I wasn't aware of is like, for instance, I needed to floss about like 10, 12 times a day. Uh, and uh, I needed to go to the bathroom, like, I don't know, 20, 25 times a day. Uh, and, uh, and I was always thirsty. Uh, and, uh, and so anyway, like the, the, the specialist I saw was saying like, you know, there's different kinds of symptoms that you can get depending on, you know, how your, your brain is affected. And like, for some people, that's, that's one of them. Uh, like those are sort of interconnected, like, you know, the, the water just goes through your body and like, you know, you, it, your body doesn't use it properly. And so that's why, like, I didn't have any saliva. So I felt like I had to floss all the time, that kind of stuff. Uh, so it was, you know, little small stuff like that, but then he also made me aware of like how, to what extent my eyes were significant and like not being able not being a uh like having you know your eyes taking so much energy to try to like decipher like just visual information uh to try to analyze visual information so like it just made me aware of all the different environments where i could struggle with my eyes uh so you know shopping malls uh, going to the market going to the pharmacy going to the grocery store just like you know you're in a grocery store there's a whole bunch of like different advertisements different products that had like you know uh, their labels and you need to find where they are that kind of stuff uh it was the same thing with a computer when you need to search for the information where it is that kind of stuff um so uh so anyway like uh, it, it, uh, it, i was i was it was one of the hopeful moments because like anyway when i first met with him uh at some point like he told me like i just you know, I just, I'm just coming out of this appointment with this other woman who had, with this woman who had a concussion. And she said, like, you know, I don't have any more symptoms. And like, I remember that day, like, you know, I, I was trying to hold, like, to hold it in, but like, I just wanted to cry in his arms, uh, just because like, there was just this little bit of hope that was there. Um, and um, so, and, and so one of the tips that he sort of gave me on that day was like to try to like, you know, when you struggle with visual information, uh, like if I have to walk around or to go to different places, try to keep my eyes on something that's like really dark and that doesn't reflect 
um, that doesn't seem to reflect light that much. Uh, so it's like anything that seems to be the opposite of a mirror. So like, for instance, like this isn't dark, but that doesn't reflect uh, light like, uh, I don't know, like, you know, the cover of phone or something like that. Uh, so anyway, so that was just something that, uh, that just helped me, you know, go through the world to some extent. Um, so um, another moment then after that, like I felt was like quite significant, for me was uh i think maybe a couple of months later it was the summer olympics and i'm no star athlete but i've just always really enjoyed sport and as a kid it was like just a big thing for me like you know th that dream of like going to the olympics and so it's like okay i'm gonna go watch <laughs> i'm gonna go watch the olympics and uh and it was just like the opening ceremony and i was seeing all those proud those proud athletes and i just um I just burst out uh, crying, like I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. Like it was just way too much. Um, and um, so anyway, like I guess, like it, it, it told me more about like my, my mental state and, and where I was. Uh, but then progressively, as like I saw more specialists and like you know, like I, I found more tips and things that I could do. Uh, like I was being able to, to, to start. Like um, anyway. I was increasingly in a better position to try to do different activities that I used to do. Um, so, uh, so about a year and a half after my concussion, I could I started to go drib dribble the basketball a bit and just to shoot a bit. And but I was always by myself, away from others, away from other people's ball. Uh, and uh, but it was it's just it was a big win for me. Uh, and, uh, but obviously like I really struggled with what I could do there. Uh, and then maybe two and a half years later, you know, I guess two and a half years after my concussion, at some point there was this old guy who was saying like, do you want to come play with us? And because he was old and because it was just like two and two, just a small sitting, I was like, okay, I think I can handle this and like stay away from elbows, that kind of stuff. Uh, so, so I went to play and and it, it it felt so good and i you know afterwards you know i played for maybe i don't know 20 minutes so it was like you know this is too much i gotta stop after 20 minutes uh i left the park and i was you know I, well i walked i left the playground and i you know i was walking through the park uh here in jerry park and and i, I you know i burst out crying again uh it's like anyway because it, it had been so long and uh, anyway it, it felt really good um so uh i don't think there's anything else i wanted to mention with respect like to some uh, oh yeah uh, so the, the other uh sort of highlights or like important moment is that at some point maybe i don't know four years after i got my concussion or just about maybe three and a half years i felt as though like i was functional enough in terms of like i could have you know a decent income and I had, you know, enough energy so that me and my wife could, uh, my now wife, she wasn't at the time, uh, but we could try to, to, to have a child, uh, which we ended up uh, getting. <laughs> this is not my language. I feel like, you know, I got it at the store. <laughs> anyway, uh, but uh, anyway, so, 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 so she gave birth to, to her daughter about five, uh, well, six years ago, anyway. Uh, I might be confused on the math, but uh, so, so anyway, it's just to say that, like, there's that, possibly of at some point like you know because you know when I first got the concussion there's no way for me where I would feel comfortable enough to be uh 
you know, responsible for, 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 you know, a baby, you know, losing the sleep, that kind of stuff. Uh, but, uh, but it did happen and, 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 and I'm quite happy about it. Um, so a couple of things that I wanted to share with respect to like some of the tough things I had to go through that I'm sure that like a lot of you were going through uh, and just, just uh, like, anyway, I think it's sort of significant to talk about it to some extent. Um, there's a couple of things that are somewhat significant, but anyway, I wanted to mention the one thing uh, for me, like, so there's a couple of moments, like when I first got my, uh, after maybe a year, cause for a full year, like I didn't work, I didn't study, or like I tried to do some sort of hustle at the university where I was uh, to, 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 to get some money by also I mean like you know uh, like because uh, I wasn't eligible for like you know working as a research assistant but I sort of faked my way through being some sort of research assistant to get a little bit of money but anyway it didn't work uh, but that was I, yeah I guess that's one of the things that I have written on my sheet here is just like having to lie <laughs> uh, having to lie in the sense that like you know I had the the the, the to try to tell different people, yeah, I'm gonna keep doing my studies and like, it wasn't true. And like, you know, I just needed like more time and it was gonna be all right, but I knew it wasn't the case. Uh, so that was, a, that was one of those moments where I needed to lie or just pretend that like things are all right. Like so for instance, when I got uh, one of my job, my, my first job was working as a part-time professor, but I was teaching uh, up North, uh, like here in, in Shikurimi, uh, where I would like, they would sort of fly me there. I would sleep for one night a week and then teach, you know, two classes. And then I would uh, fly back home, which, you know, taking a plane with a concussion is not easy. Uh, and then I had to stay in a hotel, which is quite complicated. But I like there was this one moment where like because uh, I was given a per diem like for food, like you know. And so I was talking with uh, people at the administration, who was telling me like you know what were my options? Like I could go to the cafeteria to have the uh, to have my lunch there because it wasn't too expensive. I was like, yeah, true. Like I could go to the cafeteria. And in my head, it was like, there's no way for me I can go to the cafeteria. There's just way too many people. And, you know, it's just a subtle lie, but it's just like, anyway, it's, it's quite, anyway, I, I felt sort of uncomfortable. And, and at the same time, as I said, like I was sleeping in the hotel and in the hotel, because I knew about like, you know, uh, five minutes more. Than I, I was struggling with uh, any types of light that was being reflected. And so there was those huge mirrors. So what I would do is like take the bed sheets and put them over the mirrors. And like, I would, you know, as soon as my classes were done, I would go back to the, to the hotel and just like, you know, uh, stay in the dark, listening to podcasts and like having those bed sheets. So it was like, anyway, there's just that, that contrast. Um, so, so some of the things that I felt like was sort of quite difficult as well was just like interactions with friends. Obviously I wasn't seeing as many friends as I, as, as I used to, I, like I, I was barely seeing any friends, but there was a couple of my friends who were like, I just, just come on, like, wake up, like, you know, you're all right. Like, it was, you know, it, it's not much. Uh, and, and just, it, it, I felt like, I felt they didn't know what I was going through. And then later on, I realized like I was that friend to other people prior to having a concussion, prior to, to knowing what it is like to have a concussion. Like I had said words like that. Uh, and, um, and, and anyway, so, and I remember I had one friend who was telling me like, 
uh, oh, this other guy, like, he ended up getting a concussion. It's like, oh, my God, like, you know, what's going on with him? And he was like, oh, no, he's all right. Like, he's just fighting through it. So he's still at work. He's still doing this and that. And anyway, and and he sort of said it in a way just to tell me again, like, just wake up. And and anyway, it, it, it um, I don't know. I just wanted to share that, like, you know, there's those uneasy moments. I'm going to share, I guess, uh, two last one in terms of uneasy moments. Uh, the other one was just like at the, 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 you know, I guess the peak of the worst or something uh, where, uh, so obviously like most of you had concussion symptoms, uh, a whole bunch of different ones, headaches, you know, being tired, that kind of stuff, being confused. Um, and at some point, like for whatever reason, I ended up getting some sort of chronic pain uh, that was sort of like in the general butt area <laughs> and I won't go into more details uh, but I couldn't sleep uh, no I could sleep but I couldn't sit uh, and it lasted for about a year and like there was some months where the pain was just like really really bad where I just lie in bed not doing anything that you know and uh, I struggled to sleep and the pain was just there like throughout like about 18, 20 hours of the day. Uh, and um, so, you know, having a concussion is one thing, one thing, but there's all those other things that you can get on top of it as well sometimes. And that's when like, uh, I never really thought of suicide, but I had like, I was like, if I, if it gets to that point, I know what I can do. And Anyway, I, I just felt really sad that I was in that situation, but you know, it is, it is what it is. And I guess the one, the one point, which was the worst is that like, so I got that chronic pain. I got my concussion symptoms. I'm lying in bed. I can't do nothing. I can't play with my daughter at that point uh, because of the, the, that chronic pain on top of, you know, everything else. And I get the fucking hiccups. <laughs> I was like, this is just too much. Uh, but anyway, like I ended up getting a surgery and I found a doctor that could deal with it and, and, and ended up being good. Um, so real quick, a couple of the things that I wanted to share in terms of opportunities, because when I first got the concussion, I really realized uh, what it sort of meant. Uh, my mindset was like, okay, there's an opportunity here. And I was like, there's an opportunity here. And there's an opportunity. It's like, what is the freaking opportunity? <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I ended up finding some and like some of the things that I'm really grateful for in terms of like, you know, having gotten that concussion. Uh, uh, was uh, like the empathy that like I sort of ended up getting to some extent that I didn't have prior to having a concussion uh, meaning that like you know you, uh, you know I'm just walking in the street and seeing people that work uh, that that work that walk weirdly that like are struggling to walk and that kind of stuff or just like living in the street that kind of stuff uh, I didn't have that empathy and then I'm like okay that can be me or that's me sometimes or and so this is something that like I'm really happy I got and like you know I've felt more empathy for my father's dealing with chronic pain that kind of stuff um and uh and and I realized that like you know without the support from my family because I feel quite privileged having the family I have the girlfriend I have uh, at some point I felt like it would have been like so easy for me to end up being like a homeless person or something like that because you know I couldn't work I, I didn't have any uh, unemployment you know that kind of stuff uh, so I anyway I'm, I'm grateful for that 
and for having my girlfriend who was going to the grocery store and so I didn't have to do it. I, she would go to the pharmacies, I didn't have to do it, that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing, like learning to cry. Uh, at first when I got the concussion, like uh, I don't know, for some reason, like it, like it was just like rain all the time. Uh, but then I ended up like feeling, you know, becoming more comfortable with crying. And, and I think like it, it put me more in touch with my emotions, but I think like it just really opened up some doors that like I'm I'm quite happy opened up for me and I think like are going to help me uh, in the long term um and uh this what else uh, okay well I don't know to like do I have like one minute where am I Emily yeah okay I wanted to share something real quick just to, to show there's hope and I guess like if we get to some question I can share a couple of different tips uh, or at least like in the concussion support group, I'll definitely share like, a, you know, a list of resources specialists, at least here in Montreal, who's helped me. Uh, so, so anyway, uh, host disabled attendee screen sharing. Okay, I don't know if there's something, I think Emily's in. Oh, I'll, uh, one sec, I'll make you a co-host. Okay, right. now I can share it. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, um, a year ago, so now it's been like at that time, it had been uh, close to uh, eight years I had the concussion, started to feel better. And I'm working with kids and some of those kids are really uh, into scooters and skateboards. And at some point I decided I was going to step on a skateboard. And this is just to give hope that there's something that can happen out there. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a good thing to recommend and someone to try to get on a skateboard, but this is where I am. Uh, so anyway, this is me. <laughs> all right so yeah I'll, I'll just stop i'll stop it there but do you, you get what i mean uh so and i don't recommend skateboarding but it's just uh like it, for some reason like uh i don't know it's just like a challenge that I, I gave myself and I felt comfortable with my head at that point. And, uh, uh, and for some reason, like being on something that has waves like that, like it just helped me with like a whole bunch of my back muscles and my neck muscles to some extent. So as long as I don't fall, I'm good. Uh, obviously I practice how to fall, but, uh, uh, but I've, you know, uh, at this point, I feel as though I can do it. There's a, there's one or two times that I fell, but you know, the helmet, like the helmet technology seems to been, to be good enough for where my head is at this point where it doesn't really affect, uh, where I'm at. So I guess I'll, I'll stop it here. I had, you know, a list of tips, but uh, we'll see if we, uh, what this goes, where this one goes. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> Uh, thanks for the, the great talk, Mark. Um, and today I have Emily, who is also part of the McGill Students for Concussion Legacy Foundation, Nick from Concussion Talk Podcast, and his co-host, Aaron, um, who's the coordinator for the Newfoundland and Labrador Brain Injury Association, joining me today to talk about Mark's talk. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed this talk. Um, and it was... Uh, definitely needed um his like story and like his share was just like the main thing i took away from it was just like hope and stuff and he was very he, he seemed emotional at all yeah it yeah he like i think he got quite a few people fairly emotional too as well um but like it was just like it was really good i yeah 
Yeah, I like the fact that he was more emotional, though, too, because he mentioned near the end of the talk, he said he's more in touch with his emotions now and, like, prepared to cry and stuff, and that just kind of made it seem more real. Right. And right. it was evident through his story, too, that he was able to, like, kind of be in tune with his emotions and understand the process of recovery and getting through things. Yeah, and um, one of the first questions that someone asked during our discussion was about the whole... Um, being more emotional and like being more aware of your emotions sort of thing. And I think that that was definitely like, it, it definitely was really important that he was able to like get choked up and like be emotional. And um, especially since like everyone's always like men can't cry and stuff. So I don't know. It was, uh, it was nice to see someone get emotional, not because like, you know, I want him to be like <laughs> sad or like emotional, but like it was, it was a good reminder for everyone, I think. Yeah, and he just seemed very in tune with what he needed as well. Like, throughout his story, he mentioned how he was isolated from a lot of friends and how, like, he had almost been mistreated in a way by them, but he knew that he had done that in the past before and was, like, yeah. aware of that. And then, like, he kind of knew two ways to calm himself down. Like, when he mentioned that he was living in a hotel for the teaching bit up north mm -hmm. um he was like he kind of made his hotel room a calm zone that he would go to after teaching all day and i was just like that's a really interesting and good coping mechanism like even though it might not be the most functional he knew he needed to do that and just yeah, lay down yeah. in a dark place do you find do you guys find that the audio is going weird but uh, that a lot most concussion Patients and uh, know exactly what's going on with them. The difference is like I found out listen to a lot of speeches and a lot all the other people know see all the people who speak, I guess, are the ones who would know but exactly what's going on what's compared to how they were before. Whereas I know with I, my injury I just I didn't I just didn't really yeah. I just generally know the difference. Yeah. I I think I that, like it's kind of like an aftermath thing. Like reflecting on it i think yeah. people definitely realize a lot more yeah no i do too now but i mean like he knew like like i was saying about the comm zone and knowing that like he needed to just step back and take rest and you knew that he, he, when you needed to do whatever you yeah. know you'll get this that's you know this will give you a headache but i didn't know i just i reminded mm -hmm. you i was just like i think emily was saying the same thing something yeah. as well yeah. that's just... i think i think that i um there were times when I knew what I needed on a, like a very, very basic level, like that sort of stuff. Like I knew I used to just like all of the time it became like a joke, but I'd just be like, I'm overstimulated like if too much was happening. <laughs> and it just meant that I needed everyone to back up. <laughs> like it would happen a lot in crowds when there was like a lot of, visual activity i just overstimulated and it meant just like i needed to go take some time alone and so like on a very basic level i think there were these like knee-jerk reactions that i had that definitely helped me recover but i think i didn't really know what was going on with me because i just couldn't like we've talked about it before i couldn't verbalize what was different i just knew there was stuff that was different um I became very, like, good at, like, knowing when certain stimuli were going to happen and how to avoid them. Like, opening blinds, man, that was, that's a risk. 
that is a that is a concussion risk. And so I remember I was always like very, very careful, like opening blinds. If I felt like somebody was about to laugh really loud, like I was already cringing. Yeah. I saw people start to clap. I was already, you know, trying to get away from the space. And that wasn't really like thought out processes. Like they were just, that was like trauma and reaction to trauma and protection of myself. Um, which of course spun into being a little bit too much, but I really, really enjoyed how he was talking about the emotions. And I think some other people brought up the fact that they just like couldn't stop crying. And, um, I think there is this like being in touch with your emotions and willing to cry. And then there's this like concussion thing that happens with some people (laughs) where like, for me, like I could just be sitting there having a great time and all of a sudden I'm crying or somebody cracks a joke and I think it's so funny. No, I'm not laugh crying. I just end up start crying. Like it's like the emotions were a, a roller coaster. And of course I, I did not do what Mark did. <laughs> I decided no. to just like try and check out from all emotions, but he did touch on that. The fact yeah. that if he tries to numb his negative emotions, he's going to numb his positive emotions in turn too. And I think that that's, you know, I just went ahead and numbed them all. Yeah. But um, I think it's so cool that he yeah. was able to find that balance yeah, during no, his would... recovery. I think it's when, when, he's, when he said the thing about like the, like when you try to numb the negative, like you numb all your emotions. I was like, damn. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's really true. Never actually thought about that. Um, yeah. but that's, that's so true. Well, you'll find that actually you guys, you guys are, well, no, I know Emily is in neuropsychology. You're, you're in neurosciences, aren't you? And, uh, Emily, you're doing mm-hmm. neuros and, uh, yeah. and all like, the, 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 you see like side effects of drugs, like the, like Xanax or whatever it is to that, that is a depression or anxiety, then find the side effects or the emotions you get dulled. You're trying to mm-hmm. prevent anxiety, your emotions are getting dulled because of that. Not meaning adult, almost eliminated. So it's just, just a yeah. chemical thing in the brain, I guess. Yeah. No. But yeah, no, no. I, I, sorry, I, I was say I found the same thing with like, you didn't like, crying like like you were saying, like. Just to drop a hat, like having a good time, and I never had that. Never had that extreme, but I, I did notice like I can, I'm more emo. I could be more. I'm, I am now still it's more emotional, but more, kind of more appropriately emotional. Like things that yeah, are sad, just, that that will yeah. that will be like not as sad as like crying, mm-hmm. but like why should I? I used to be very stoic, really. So yeah, I still am a mm-hmm. bit. But... I think. Yeah, and I think- go for it oh he was talking about when he was like at the olympics and it was like so much is happening and he just started crying and that would happen to me and i don't know that i always cried because i did get really good at kind of dissociating myself but there were times where it was just like so this overstimulation is happening and i just didn't like where do i put all of that anxiety and it was just like it's like a breakdown like it I totally related so much to that story. There were just times where it was like so much was happening and I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. And it was just, I think, I think the Olympic thing, like part of that, like, I don't think it was, I don't don't think he meant it as like all of it was just like overwhelming, but he also talked about how like the Olympic thing, like that was like 
just like every kid when you're younger, like Olympics is like Aww. your dream and stuff and, you know, like that sort of thing. Um, That's cool. But he also, when he was talking about crying, like just like being able to and stuff, like he always said that like um, it would only last like two to four minutes, like never anymore. Um, and I think that also kind of like is like what you meant where like, like you're just like overwhelmed so you just cry mm-hmm. um and I mean like sometimes I'm like that like you know like when you just get so angry that like you just don't know what to do and like you'll just cry <laughs> or um like also just like being overwhelmed just like you cry get it out and then like carry on with your day um yeah I think another interesting part he mentioned, too, that might tie into the fact that you would get so emotional is that he would often lie, he said, like, yes. in the fact that, like, he didn't want to accept what was going on and pretend things were okay. So, like, he would pretend that he could go to the cafeteria when he obviously could yeah. not. And, like, keeping up that kind of facade that everything's okay, I'm good, will make you stressed, internalized, and want, like, just randomly have those outbursts of emotion. And he said it feel really uncomfortable like whether it was a subtle lie or like a big lie like the pretending and like stuff like that like he knew himself that like no he couldn't do um like the cafeteria or um that he wasn't going to return back to like his studies or or, like it was going to be longer than it was supposed to um but he like did lie um and I feel like part of that might also just be like Cause like people don't really believe the concussion stuff. Um, and he kind of did like, um, talked about like the couple of friends that like, didn't really believe him, didn't know what he was going through. And then also just like him realizing that like he was that friend before. And when he was talking about how like now, like when he sees someone that's, I don't know, like he says something about like walking slow or like something like that, like he kind of like thinks like, Oh, like, um, I wonder kind of, I don't know. He just seems like so much more in tune with everything. Um, yeah, and he kind of like portrayed that as being a bit of a gift, I think. Yeah, that able was able to understand what other people are. And I was talking to him afterwards, and he said, "It's not even that I need to know what they're going through. I don't even need to know the cause. I can just understand that other people have stuff going on, and I won't necessarily understand it." but I can be patient with it. I think that's so. I also love his skateboarding video that just like he, so he showed us, um, at the end. I I didn't see that, but uh... yeah. So he, uh, so he showed us a video, um, of him like skateboarding. Uh, he was like, He's like, I'm not trying to, like, encourage people to skateboard or anything like that. But just where he was at that point in time, like, that was something that, like, he felt he could do. And he took every precaution he could. And um, and he showed us, like, a little video of him skateboarding. And um, it was just, like, everyone, like, on the Zoom meeting just kind of, like, lit up and was just, like, so... I don't, I don't know. It was, like, such, like, a feel-good, like, hopeful, happy video and, like, moment, I feel like. Yeah. It was so cool. It well, was... he mentions his dream day would be doing sports, and uh, yeah. that sounds like it was a dream kind of living out for him then, because yeah. if for a moment you can kind of feel like you're, everything's fine, then that's mm-hmm. awesome. 
Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, that was, yeah. And when he, like, he was also talking to someone about, like, or, no, I think it might have been in the talk about, like, the um, 2v2, like, basketball with, like, an old man or whatever. And he played for about 20 minutes, and that was too much. And then he left, and he was just walking through the park, like, bursting in tears because it had been so long since, like, he got to play. And, like, it just felt so good. Um, yeah, and I, I loved that story because he, like, found yeah. someone who yeah. was to his ability in a way. And he was just yeah. like, yeah, it's this old guy, but, you know, I could probably keep up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome um yeah i don't know his his share and his story was just amazing i don't know yeah. if, he's, if he's if he's spoken a lot but he did seem to get more as like his story started off he's kind of sad and like not not very not very did not wrap uplifting as, as he got better mm-hmm. his story his message got better too and i guess just yeah. what's what happens but just it seemed really, boy, his spirits and balls. I guess everyone mm-hmm. else is in the group chat, I guess. But uh, I, there. I, I also really liked how, like, like as he was like coming to the end and he was gonna wrap up, like he talked about like tough, significant things he went through because he didn't just want everyone to think that like it was all like happy and easy and like. So he like highlighted some of the like shitty things um and then he also highlighted some of the opportunities that he got from it like he talked about like the empathy he ended up getting the support from his family and like how if he didn't have them like he would have been homeless and his girlfriend just um helping so much who's now his wife and they have um a daughter and um just the whole learning to cry thing and um and he had mentioned a like some like I don't know what it was. Emily, did you guys talk about it more once I left? But um, he had, like, a um, list of things or whatever. Yeah, I think he told us some stuff that probably wasn't on the list. Mm-hmm. That, like, but, yeah. yeah, no, it was just, I don't know. I liked how organized it was. But, I mean, he did say that he is a part-time professor. So I feel like oh, he sure, knows yeah. how to yeah. talk. Save <laughs> the audience, but yeah. It was, it was really, really good. And um, I, that was definitely something everyone needed to hear for sure. And yeah, I, I, I think we should. My point is not important, so good. Oh, I was gonna say I loved when he was talking about how he's just having like such a bad. I didn't love it, but I really related to it. He was just having such a bad day, and all this stuff was happening, and then he got the hiccups. Yeah, yeah, oh my gosh. Nice. so pissed and he was off. Like, it's over, yeah. and I was like, man, that I really straw so much. Like, I like. When my like when my cup is full, and like I'm dealing with 17 million different things, and then like something stubbed your toe, like toe happened. Oh yeah, I stubbed my toe. I yeah. you know drop a glass of water, whatever <laughs> it is. I'm just like, yep, Don't. life is done. Life yeah. is over. There's no point in being here now. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's yeah. just uh, you know, it's, it's it was nice to relate to that and like not feel as crazy when those moments happen because it really is this accumulation of things. It's not about the hiccups. Um, but then hearing them like get through those, um, get through those moments is really cool. And hearing him talk about how he felt like he was comfortable having a kid and then having a kid. Like I loved that too. Um, yeah. yeah. It was amazing. But yeah, the hiccup one, that was just like, so, so relatable. So true. And like you said, like stubbing your toe and then like, 
that just becomes the end of the world. But it's not really about that thing. It's just like it was the last straw. And yeah, the hiccups and oh, yeah. Or like a sneeze. Like yeah, just anything. <laughs> oh, it, yeah. I really, I really, really like to share. It was, it was really, really good. Um, to do. do you guys have any last things to add? I think just the only other thing that he said that really stood out to me that kind of was similar to almost everyone, I think, going through a recovery is the two weeks myth. It's like in two weeks time, I'll be able to do this again. In two weeks time, I'll be good. And it's like, that's just always the myth that you try to tell yourself at the beginning. But in fact, it's nine years later and he still deals with it all. But no, that's that's so true. Because everyone's always told like the two week thing, and so that is kind of what everyone just thinks is like, okay, two more weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, tell yourself that tomorrow there, Taya? Just two weeks. Uh, uh, <laughs> I do not want to have but I'm so happy that I get to go home for Christmas. I haven't seen my family since the beginning of March. Oh. And then uh, one of my brothers since Christmas, but. Yeah. All right. Um, so thanks again to Mark for the awesome talk. Um, and thanks to Nick for helping us do this. Uh, we will have a new podcast posted Monday morning. Our upcoming podcasts can be found on concussiontalk.com, Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. You can find more information about our group on concussionmtl.com. Our peer-to-peer support group is free and open to everyone. We hold three weekly meetings on Zoom, uh, uh, which we will link in the description. Uh, Thank you for listening, and thank you guys for joining me. Thank you. Word. (laughs) Head Check Health bridges gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University and Volleyball Canada who rely on HeadCheck to improve communication and optimize care. Visit headcheckhealth.com for more. The music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound. www.bensound.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 